Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 95.7 The Game's John Dickinson has been with the Warriors every day throughout the championship era. Half-court, the Warriors start to celebrate. The one-time darlings are now a dynasty. And now, he brings you the latest scoops on the back-to-back champs. He's looking good to go. And exclusive player interviews. What's up, Dub Nation? It's your boy, Stephen Curry. This is Warriors Weekly on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, John Dixon. And we welcome you into our Warriors Weekly Podcast, Episode 2, John Dickinson with you. And one of the things I laid out last week in the first edition of this podcast when we spoke to Warriors Associate Head Coach Mike Brown was the fact that there's going to be uh, a couple of different guest elements to this pod. There's going to be the weekly guest that we're going to line up uh, from outside of 95.7 The Game, but we're also going to run through a lot of the hosts and personalities uh, at 95.7 The Game. So there's no better way to tip off the personality portion of this podcast with Daryl the Guru Johnson, who joins me in episode wow. two here on 95.7 The Game. Goo, what's up, my I'm man? I'm feeling some type of way, and I'm feeling special. You, you talk about Mike Brown's been on your podcast, and here I am. I appreciate the invite. And Mike was having a good time, I got to tell you. It was He's his, always having it, a good time. It was his birthday, and he let everybody know what exactly to order for him wow. if you see him out after the game. Now, the Warriors got beat by 33 that night to Boston <sighs> uh, a week ago or so, but he let everybody know, hey, you see me out in the city or like Oakland, yeah. then you know what to order. So I, I like the That's guy how my that, boy the, Phil Handy got his start was through Mike Brown. Yeah, Phil Handy, one of the, one of the mm-hmm. good guys. Uh, I, I, met, I met up with Phil Handy kind of inadvertently <laughs> during the finals a couple of years back in Cleveland, actually, at a, a restaurant yeah. where there were a with lot, of, a lot, of, a the, lot the, of folks yeah. at it. And, and he was, yeah, he was fantastic. Definitely one of the good guys uh, in the league. And a little bit off the beaten path, too. It wasn't like in the downtown by the arena area. It was... It was in uh, You're in Cleveland. It was though, in the JD. Ohio City right. area, which is you. a little bit a little bit nicer, a little bit more suburban right. area. But no, Phil Handy was one of the one of the good guys. Uh, Goo, let's get to it though. Uh a lot going on right now with the Golden State Warriors that's not even fully about basketball uh right now. When you look at uh, Kevin Durant, you know, leaving the Suns game due to injury and the Warriors can't win that game. You look at, at Steve Kerr and all the lip readers. Uh, and what he had to say about Draymond Green bleep, being so bleeping tired of Draymond's bleep, uh, and Kerr had to address that, and then Draymond responds, and DeMarcus Cousins is ticked off about not finishing the game the other night. Clay Thompson's challenging the fans. So there's all these different things going on with all of the different stars, and, and I guess the way to kind of throw it to you is, is it best for this team to just get on the road for a week and try and sort it out, or just what, what do you make of all of this? I don't like that assertion, go on the road, because your problem never goes away. And you're supposed to be the most comfortable J.D. at home. And right now, I believe 
this is just it comes with the territory. The first few years when the Warriors, you know, won the championships, this there there was no turmoil. And the fact that David West came out and insinuated that it might be something, we were so starved of warrior gossip and warrior dirt that we ran with it and the guy said at the end of the day it was just meningitis. Now, if is that the truth? I'll take him for, you know, his words at face value. But right now I'm not really concerned and about the Draymond Steve Kerr situation. Yeah, let's the, start with that. Okay. The fact that Steve basically admitted he said it, let me know it's a brotherhood, it's a relationship. And Draymond said, I have no reason to be bitter. That's what that was my gauge rather than if he said, Oh, I didn't say it, then we got an issue. Well, how can you not say that you yeah. how can you say that you didn't say it? I mean, everybody clearly wow. saw that. Video he said everywhere, J D. I am so bleep and tired of his bleep. But that's how he felt at the time. And Draymond Well, it's responded. not the first time. That's the other thing. It, it could have been the first. It, it probably wasn't the 20th time. <laughs> and let's be honest. The last time somebody had the mic, it sounded to me in OKC a few years back, Draymond had the mic. So, you know, he said what he had to say out loud so everybody could hear. And Kerr didn't do it maliciously, thinking people might hear. But at the end of the day, they're going for something very special, J.D., and I just don't think what we're about to talk about is going to be the reason they don't get it done. We went back and forth the other night on Warriors wrap-up after the loss to Phoenix about DeMarcus Cousins and him playing down the stretch or not playing down the stretch against DeAndre Ayton. And to me, that, that one didn't make any sense because you were already down a star in Kevin Durant and you're going up against a big. And I know Aiton had, Aiton had put it on him a little he's bit. Young. And, and he's young. He's athletic. And they're like, but to me, you you don't go get DeMarcus Cousins. Like, I get it if you're playing Houston and it's a playoff series and they're small and you want to go small and you don't want Paul or Harden, you know, to have the basketball right in front of DeMarcus Cousins picking which way of 20 different ways they want to score on him. I understand if he's going to take a seat on the bench in that situation. But on March 10th, against the worst team in the Western Conference and a rookie center, to me, when you're down another All-Star, that's when DeMarcus Cousins sure as heck better be on the floor. You disagreed with that regardless of our opinion, so I'm going to let you give yours. DeMarcus wasn't happy about it, and I'm I'm kind of with him on that one. Yeah, but it's not about, you know, it's not the Golden State DeMarcuses. It's about the Golden State Warriors. And I tip my cap to Steve Kerr for keeping it real, knowing that there would be a matchup problem with Aiton and Cousins. But how is Aiton a problem? Help me out. Because he's faster and more agile than than, uh, my guy Jokic from Denver. Those are matchups that fit DeMarcus. And even then, it's a stretch. My point is... DeMarcus should be happy. The credit card is maxed out, J.D. The fact that they allowed him into this, into this culture. And I'm just taking a little offense to people trying to worry about, oh, around DeMarcus. Not that they are, but it sure seems like at times, oh, you got to walk on eggshells. You can't take him out the game. What is going to happen if Andrew Bogut gets called in before him? To hell with that. This is about the Warriors in a 3 J.D. And to answer your question about Aiton, it was a bad matchup. And Kerr saw that. Well, and I, well, the interesting thing to me is, uh, and and I just I, I'm wondering if he can't play against Aiton, who's he going to play against? Jokic. Can he only play against Jokic and Nurkic and 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 those guys? I mean, Dude, coming off Stephen Adams, would you be shocked? Would you be shocked? See, we we're all like, oh, he's healed, he's never been hurt. JD, he's ahead of schedule, but that's still not far enough. 
for what they're asking him to do and well, the opportunity he's getting. And to your point, I mean, I don't, I don't think Steve Kerr has walked on eggshells. I mean, and I think hmm. the, the the game on to, on Sunday against the Suns <laughs> is a perfect example. He pulled him out. I mean, again, you're not playing the Rockets. You're not playing Chris Paul. You're not playing James Harden. You're playing the worst freaking team in the Western Conference, and you're already down an All Star, and he still chose to go with Kevon Looney down the stretch over to Marcus Cousins. That to me is an early statement of I'm not walking on eggshells. Or it's almost a, it's a diss to, and I know you're not trying to do it, J.D., to Kevon Looney, a guy that has been there, and, and that's who they counted on, and they got it done twice. So why is the new recipe supersede the old recipe, which you know works? And to Kevon Looney's credit, J.D., I know not to take it off the tracks here, he's been very mild-mannered in regard to what he thinks about his minute usage. You can always take it off the tracks on the Warriors Weekly I Podcast. It. Actually, I, I, I almost, <laughs> I see Alex looking at I almost expect you to take it off the tracks uh, right on. on the Warriors <laughs> Weekly Podcast because I, you're going to be you're going to be one of the regulars. There's no doubt you're going to be. I know we're going to cycle through everybody. I'm here when you need me, baby. Joe and Lowe and, <laughs> I can't and wait. Dibs. It's it's going to be fun. But I, I'm going to guess. You're going to get a second run right. before everybody gets their first run. I'm if you know what I mean. Tonight, like you're going to get back in you. the game uh, a little bit. Uh, Warriors Weekly Podcast. John Dickinson, uh, guest host this week, is Daryl the Guru Johnson. We've also got Kalen Azabuki coming up, NBC Sports Bay Area TV analyst, as we uh, get you uh, covered on all things Warriors. Joe Lake of not concerned. He told The Athletic, Warriors still have the best team, most talented team. He's not concerned. He, he likes their chances against uh, just about anybody and, and their chances basically against the field. When you hear that kind of confidence from the gentleman you love to call Joey Light years, what does it make you think? That he's telling the truth. And the fact that they've won three and four and he gets a nickname, Joey Light years. And right now, JD, is as bad as I'm making it sound, because I know it's not that bad. At the end of the day, you can't give me a team that you're 100% confident that could beat this team four and seven. It's not just about beating them, it's four and seven. So. I say to Joey Lightyear's kudos to you for believing in your team and you have reason to. And at the end of the day, J.D., not to bring it back up, but we should be talking about four straight. How about that? It should, it was, it's the closest ever to four straight that we can ever argue well, in the history of the association. That's, well, yeah, other than the, uh, uh, closest to four straight without having it actually okay. happen. Right, right. That's what I meant. Right. So Joey Lightyear's kudos to you, and he believes it. And, J.D., until the ship goes down or – you know, there may not be any water on the boat. Kudos to him for being a leader, and no wonder he's in the position he is if that's his business tactic or acrimon by not admitting that, the you know, the stuff, the TMZ stuff might be getting to him. Is that how you'd let this thing play out? Would you let it play out? I want as many of these guys around until this team doesn't win a championship. Like, mm-hmm. let's say they win it this year, and Durant, it, obviously that's Durant's choice. If Durant chooses to go, that's that's one thing. But if, let's say, Durant chooses to go, you win the third championship, it's four and five, but everybody else is under contract or wants to stay, Clay Thompson stays, w- would you just run everybody back and then try and add to it, or, or would you break up the core no, in an attempt I wouldn't to, be Jerry Reinsdorf in Chicago who To maybe get it, better, yeah, yeah. or try to get better, or get different, or freshen but you it can up. be better by keeping it and, and watering it and seasoning it and bringing you know, more things to the table, like their bench right now. That's an issue, J.D. It is a big issue, and it may not cost them this year, but 
you know, the average basketball fan can see that the Warriors are lacking um, in the bench. But to answer your question, you owe it. It's part of the game. I don't care what sport you're in. If you're on top, you have to maximize that thing. And I don't know Lakeup on a personal level, but I do believe they care about winning. They've done so. And why would you shortchange it or stop it because of, of money? Yeah, well, and I don't necessarily think it would be about money. Mm. I think it would be more about the basketball fit. I, I was actually throwing the money out of it, okay. to be honest with you. I, I was know. I was just thinking in terms of you win it, Durant leaves, Clay stays. At that point, okay, you would want to have Curry and Clay Thompson because Clay yeah. Thompson just resigned. Splash so brother. I guess the question is Durant's gone, what do you do with Draymond? Do you keep that core three plus Iguodala and Livingston, or do you maybe try to Maybe you try and trade Draymond Green to to fix the bench a little bit. Maybe you get three players that can be rotation players, although no stars at the level that even Draymond Green has been. Is that something you'd consider? And, of course, we're getting hypothetical down no, the line. That's but, what we but, do. But considering you win a championship this year, if, the, if those two things are on the table. If KD were to leave, uh, Draymond is a must. And I need to do everything I can if I'm if Lake up to retain his services. That, that's just how I feel. Now, some out there, uh, there are some whispers that there's other, you know, new Draymond Greens that could give you what he does and give you some scoring. But at the end of the day, JD, if they win this championship and KD leaves, it's apparent that you bring back Draymond Green. There's just to me, it would be I would be disappointed for if that next didn't year happen. or beyond. For next year and beyond. Both. Because that's who you are. So you want an extension at yeah, that No point. doubt. No doubt. You'd say, and Draymond, let's, let's do an extension yes. this year. Yes, let's sir. not worry about one year. Let's give you a couple more years no on the doubt. back end we and want let's figure you, it out. Yeah, because you, to be honest, I mean, he's had a uh, piano on his back. And the piano on his back is his, you know, his future here with the Warriors. And I just wonder how much that, you know, has to do with KD and the blow up and the dust up. He's not... He's not naive. He knows what it's about, J.D. It's business. I'm going to put you on the record here right now because we're, we're actually recording this before the Warriors take on the Rockets, although it's going to drop, I think, tomorrow morning, okay. and, and we'll have it you know, throughout have the next, me, so I know I have next week uh, or so. Definitely uh, will. We definitely will. What do you think, what do you think happens on this trip? Well, I'm, gonna put it, I'm putting it out there, right? What do you think happens on this trip? No Durant against the Rockets. Who knows about Oklahoma City? Then San Antonio's been playing as well as anybody not named the Rockets. And Minnesota's been chumps, but that's the the fourth game uh, at the end of that trip on the second of a a weird back-to-back. J.D., I've been talking about the likes of Houston, OKC, and if OKC happens to do with Houston to get the opportunity to play the Warriors without Kevin Durant... What if you got to play them both in the playoffs? I don't like that, and I don't like the Clippers jazz. The whole okay. list is starting to scare me because <laughs> okay. they got athletic bigs, something the Warriors are lacking. But I'm going to say one and three. I, th- I, I just feel like without Durant tonight, Houston's on a roll, and they get this one. So OKC's going to be waiting. Which one are they going to win? Minnesota. Wow, at yeah, the Minnesota. end. Yeah, the same Timberwolves they got blown out by Denver last night. I just The Warriors, just by showing up, will get that game. But I'm just telling you that because I'm, I'm, I'm concerned – when is Bogey going to show up? Why is he not already here? I know about the visa, but every time I talk about the visa and it's ex- explained to me, oh, it can be expedited. Well, it hasn't. When's he going to show Apparently up? Apparently now he's not showing up until the homestand. What do you mean? Like the 21st. 
Like eight days from now. Apparently, oh, wow. he's not even going to join I them on the road trip. That. Yeah, that, that actually is... just, I oh, just read, wow. I was reading about that oh, actually right like before that. we recorded this. So I don't to like record that. This. It looks like he's going to join them. They play what? Next third? They play the 21st, 23rd, 24th, and then they go back on the road. So yeah, they like, got Memphis coming to town. Yeah, next they get, week. yeah, a bunch of, bunch of teams in here, and then, and then they go on the road again. That's Apparently, shocking. it's going to be that road or that home weekend where they're basically here for four days, four or yeah. five days. I, I don't like that. And, you know, some will tell me, Bogut. Why do you it care? It goes to show how much they're relying on him or Dude, not relying on him. Why would you him? bring him into town, J.D., if you didn't think there was a need for him? Insurance policy, yeah. baby. But the fact that there's a need for him could be a concern and a red flag, J.D. What do you think of Clay Thompson, man? How about Clay Thompson just calling out the fans like like they got to be you know, raising their game? My wife loves Clay Thompson and his hair. But to answer your question, <laughs> I So your wife's believe... not holding yeah, your yeah, wife. Yeah, yeah she it, might yeah, not. It's yeah. all good. But, J.D., why would you wait to now to say it? And I told you when you're losing to Phoenix and the spread is 16, you know, the people out there know what that means. You're supposed to win this in a landslide. So at what juncture do you jump up and, and get excited? And I love Clay Thompson. He was the perfect guy to, to give the message. And there's something to that. But that night was not the night for him to bring this to the forefront because when you are getting losing to Phoenix, the what, and when they almost pulled it off, I thought Steph missed the three to time. I was like, here we go. It's the Warriors. I expected, and when it didn't happen, that place got loud in anticipation of it happening, J.D. And I'm wondering why the disconnect with this year's Warriors and Oracle in its last year of existence. What's crazy to me is you almost had the Warriors in a position where you know the Suns were hanging around, Suns were ahead, and you got Clay Thompson looking at the fans like, Get more into the game. Get more into the game. And I, it was almost like the fans were thinking, well, how come you're not up by 35? Because mm. usually you're up by 35 at this point. I like it. In the game, and you've put it away. So why would we, you yeah. know, where's the show? We're used to the show. We come to here, we come to this arena for the show, not not just to see victories. To dominate. Like, you want to see domination. And yeah, and, and it just, you know, for whatever reason, uh, it, it hasn't been there. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's circumstances more than anything as far as the disconnect. Like, I don't think it's anything personal toward the, the good people of Oakland or anything like that uh, or the longtime Warriors season ticket holders. I, I just think this is the year where you know, the Warriors are used to winning games by playing a great 12 to 18 minutes. And I think what they're finding is you can't win as many games playing a great 12 to 8 minutes, 18 minutes as you used to. You know, you got to play closer to maybe 36 what? Minutes, even and it's at a home. new game. It's a new brand of basketball. You know, yeah. there's a lot more possessions and up and down. Yeah, and more teams are doing what they do. No, it's no doubt. So when people say, "Hey, is you know, have they closed the gap?" I believe so. But I'm gonna leave you with this. I'm not a coach, and I know you didn't ask me, JD, but it just maddens me. If I'm coaching the Warriors, KD and Steph, one of them never come out of the game. When one's out, the what am I missing? It's not That's 2K. A- what am I missing? They should never be out of the game at the same time. But you also have three other All-Stars that play on do that Do we really unit. have three? Offensively, do we have three? I'm going to say no. Yeah, and but you know it's no. You probably have You probably have, you have more than two, though. Well, that should be enough. You have more than two on that. That I should mean, be enough. I mean, if Clay's one and Draymond's okay. three quarters and DeMarcus is a half... You got over two. Right? There's enough. To, and then you got the other two wise men, as Greg Papa calls them, 
Iguodala and Livingston out there. Yeah, with but they're them. not on the level yeah, of that, KD but, but and, that, but, and Steph. Right, but but you've got the three, the other three out there right. with them. Is no, my point. You. It's not yeah. like it's not like it's those three and no, Quinn Cook and Alfonso McKinney. Although some nights it actually no, I has was just been. about to say that some I've nights it actually has been, and that hasn't worked out well yeah. either. No, All right. they got to get it together, J.D. It starts tonight. All right, great stuff from Daryl the Guru Have Johnson. Uh, we really appreciate his time. Our Warriors Weekly Podcast for 95.7 The Game. Uh, it's been a lot of fun doing a lot of the uh, Warriors warm-up and Warriors wrap-up shows with him. So he gets us tipped off as far as our 95.7 The Game personalities uh, and their contribution to this weekly podcast. Uh, coming up, we'll be joined by Kalena Azubuki of NBC Sports Bay Area. All right, joining me now on our Warriors Weekly Podcast for 95.7 The Game, it is the one and only Kalena Azabuki, NBC Sports Bay Area TV analyst, uh, former Golden State Warrior as well. Kalena, thanks a lot for coming on. Really appreciate it. How are you? No problem, man. I'm doing good. How you doing? Yeah, doing really well. And, and look, uh, the Warriors on this four-game road trip here as, as we record this thing, and it's Houston and it's Oklahoma City and it's San Antonio and, and Minnesota – and there's a lot going on besides basketball with this team right now. You look at you know Steve Kerr and the you know the master lip readers and him getting caught on camera the other night uh, with some comments about Draymond maybe being a little bit tired of Draymond's act, and then Demarcus uh, Cousins being uh, irritated visibly at not finishing the game the other night against DeAndre Ayton, Clay Thompson challenging the fans. Uh, there, there's a lot going on around this team. That's not just about basketball. In situations like that, I, I got to ask you: do, do you think maybe sometimes it's good for a team to get on the road for a week and, and face some tough competition in an attempt to maybe try and come together as a unit a little bit? I do think it's good for them. They got to spend some time together. They're going to be on the plane a lot together, in the locker rooms a lot together, traveling the buses a lot together. They kind of have no choice but to talk to each other. And I don't think it's that bad to where we can call it team turmoil and, and they're crumbling and, and, and kind of breaking apart from within. I, I don't think it's that bad, but I do think a road trip does help. It, 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 it helps for the Celtics. I believe they were talking about that recently yeah. where they you know, got out and get on the road trip and, and they had to talk some of the things out that they were going through and it helped them out. So it, it can be good for the Warriors. And I still think – obviously the Warriors are head and shoulders above everybody when they're at their best. They just haven't been at their best as much as we're used to seeing them be at their best this season. There's been kind of a lot of drama going on around them. I think it it makes them pretty interesting. I obviously thought the Warriors were already interesting, but all these things, it it makes you kind of watch a little closer to see if they're vulnerable and, and all the things that people are talking about are true, and is someone actually going to be able to beat this ridiculously talented team? Are they going to beat themselves? Or are they going to be able to keep this whole thing together? Because they have they have won three championships out of four, and, and three-peating is tough, and no matter how much talent you have, you still have to play, do things the right way and play defense and, and, and act like you want to play defense and not get bored with the season or, or teams can beat you in – and make you look ridiculous, like what happened with the Phoenix Suns recently. So it's definitely interesting, and I'm going to be watching closely. And I feel like even though a lot of fans maybe around the league that aren't Warrior fans are kind of watching to maybe see the demise of the Warriors' empire, right? they're going to be tooting it in. I think it's great for the NBA. I think it's great for fans. I think more people probably that aren't 
Warriors fans and and aren't fond of the Warriors are going to be watching even more, and that, that's only a good thing for the NBA. Yeah, and it's interesting because you know Joe Lacob told the Athletic a couple of days ago that that he's not uh, as worried as maybe the fans are and everybody else is that they still have the best team and the most talent, and I think that is abundantly clear if you just look at it on paper, and that's kind of the one thing that I keep coming back to. But at some point, does the other stuff become too strong, or does it create maybe too much of a fracture to a point where even the talent at the highest level can't overcome it? And I feel like the Warriors are almost at this crossroads right now a little bit, Kaleta, where you've still got a month to go in the regular season, you're itching to get to the playoffs, but you got to figure out a way to get through this next month without anything catastrophic happening that maybe does fracture the unit to a point where the talent can't make up for it. It's a little bit delicate, isn't it? It is, but I think I'd be more concerned if the Warriors didn't have good veteran leadership, right? If it was just a young team and they had maybe experienced success when all the guys were young and kind of were were new in the league and and they didn't have that veteran presence that can call team meetings and talk things out and 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 make sure everybody in the locker room knows what they're dealing with because this this is a a highly highly scrutinized team and they've won a lot they are at the top of the league right now and everything that happens is going to get blown out of proportion and you got social media now and people are are looking at everything on social media and listen the thing with Steve Kerr where he's saying what people thought he said I'm so tired of Draymond's ass or whatever that happens all the time at coaches you it, it's it's tough for me to to try to put into words some of the things I've heard coaches <laughs> say about players and and call players like that that's nothing that is absolutely well, nothing and we know and we know Draymond and coach Kerr have gotten on each other's nerves before. Draymond mostly gotten on Coach Kerr's nerves before, and, and he's talked about it and joked about it before. That's kind of their relationship. They get on each other's nerves. They laugh about it. They talk about it. They move on. Coach Kerr knows how important Draymond is. Draymond knows that Coach Kerr is, is a great coach, and, and sometimes Draymond goes against the coach's wishes, and, and, and he's talked about that too, and, and they just move on with it, and the relationship is working. They've won. They've won, and every team needs – a Draymond, a crazy uncle, someone that's unpredictable, someone that is tough to control, but is is crazy with his IQ, crazy high IQ on the defensive end and offensive end, all those things. So it's worked, and and that is not even close to the worst thing I've heard a coach say about a player, serious or joking. Not even close. I, I've been on teams where where coaches have had screaming matches with players and have almost gotten into fights and. And social media wasn't as as big and as, around as much as it is now. And yeah, nobody so, even knows about it, right? No nobody one knows, even... no notices. No one notices. So it's it's a totally different world that we live in. But I think the Warriors and their veteran leadership they understand that and they can talk to each other about that and 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 try to make sure that they aren't super surprised by what's going on. Like guys like Andre and I'm, I'm going to say Steph's a veteran now and. And, and all these guys, even even Draymond Green as just a veteran leader. So they, they got different personalities in there and kind of checks and balances. Not everybody has the exact same personality, and they're not always going to agree with each other. But 
they know how to talk things out. And I think at the end of the day, even though we've seen them struggle this year with their play and and the drama and all those things, when it's time to come together and win a championship and play with that sense of urgency, I see them doing that. And and some team is going to have to beat them four times out of seven for me to start changing my sentiment on that. Yeah, Kalen Azubuki, my guest here, Warriors Weekly for 95.7, the game NBC Sports Bay Area TV analyst. I'll be honest with you, my first thought when I saw you know, social media basically blow up with, with the, the camera on Steve Kerr and him saying, you know, I'm so bleeping tired of Draymond's bleep. And I kind of chuckled and I thought, well, that can't be the first time he's, he's you know, looked at one of his coaches or maybe, maybe even said it to Draymond directly, let's say, in a practice or a film session or just pulled him to the side. Like, why are you doing that, my man? So it just, it, it, it's interesting because it does get blown up. But at the same time, it, it, you got to think those two, given the relationship they've had these last five years, would be able to, you know, at least have a conversation about it. And I know Steve Kerr was trying to do that even as late as Sunday night, but Draymond had already left. I'm sure they talked at some point uh, on Monday. But uh, how, how easy do you think is it to mend a situation like that from the player's point of view when a coach kind of puts you on blast, but that's part of the deal, but then comes to you and says, hey, you know, is that something you can share a laugh over? Or, you know, how does that play out as far as that conversation? Are you expecting an apology if you're the player in that situation? I mean, kind of take us through the, the mindset there. No, in this situation, I don't think an apology is needed. I don't think anything needs to be mended. Because like you said, they've they've probably said worse things about each other in the past. Like, didn't didn't Coach Kerr joke about this in his post parade speech after they won the first year? I think it was. He's talking about Draymond, and then Draymond gets on there talking about him, and it's kind of right. just an awkward, funny. Yeah, he hates me. Thing, yeah, but... he basically was like, "Yeah, Steve Kerr hates me." Like he was and exactly, he... <laughs> exactly. And we think they're joking, but it, there was obviously a lot of truth in that, and there's truth in every jest, but there's a ton of truth in that, I believe, and and it's not hard to believe with with the way Draymond is and how we've seen him act in games just watching from afar. The guy's getting on all the referees pretty much every game. He's complaining about calls. He, he's definitely emotional, and he's yelling at the refs and all these different things. That could probably wear out a coach. That could probably wear out a coach. So I don't think this is a, a, a case where Steve Kerr needs to sit Draymond down and be like, hey, man, I'm really sorry about what I said. I don't really think that's what's going on. They're probably just talking about they probably laughed about it. They know they've said worse things in the past. This is just one that got caught on video. I don't really think because it got caught on video that he's going to apologize about this one when things have been done in the past and they've been able to work through it and laugh about it and and win together in the past. I don't think this is any different in their eyes. It's just different to the public and people that look on social media and watch these videos. It's, it's a big thing to them. But internally, I, I really don't think it's that much of an issue. And the only reason they talk about it is probably because they get asked about it in the media. Kalena, a couple more for you. And I want to ask you about DeMarcus Cousins being uh, upset at the end of the game. And, and the big question with Cousins has not been, well, how much is he going to play? But more, is he going to finish the game? It, it, it surprised me that he didn't finish the game against Phoenix going up against DeAndre Ayton. Uh, with Kevin Durant already out of that game down the stretch due to an injury. And, and, and my view on it, if I try to put myself in DeMarcus Cousins' shoes, and, and my thought, if I'm him, would be, wait a minute, we're down an all-star, 
I'm an all-star, and you're choosing to not have me out there right now against a guy that's a, you know, a rookie in this league as we're trying to get a win. Uh, how big of an issue do you think DeMarcus not finishing, maybe not games against the Rockets when you know they're playing small and he's getting switched out onto James Harden and Chris Paul, but how big of an issue is it when he's not finishing a game against Phoenix and then is visibly frustrated uh, about it uh, in the middle of March? Now, that could be an issue. That's something that they'll probably have to talk through at some point, especially if it keeps happening again. He's visibly frustrated on the bench, and and people can tell. And I think that Steve Kerr is, is really judicious in his approach to these types of things. He, he's a great communicator. He understands how to talk to players, and he'll talk to DeMarcus Cousins if he feels like he needs to. I, I'll give DeMarcus this. I really thought he was moving really well in that Phoenix game. They they threw it down to him in the post a few times. He had a quick drop step move, and and he's been using that crossover move really well on the offensive side. And he's he's really looking good with his footwork right now. Defensively, I thought DeAndre Ayton hit a lot of tough shots against him, and he didn't defend him bad. DeAndre Ayton is just a tough matchup. And he's pretty athletic, and 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 we saw that in that game. If he's out to me, it's it's just defense. It's a defensive issue. The Warriors feel like maybe if they go small, that they're more versatile. They can switch everything, and, they, and teams can hurt them a little less with that lineup on the floor without Demarcus Cousins. And Demarcus is a smart basketball player. He understands those things, and he understands what the Warriors have done in the past going small and and kind of that big small lineup where they are small when you look at the players out there but they're still long versatile defenders and they have good size just maybe not girth so the Warriors have had success doing that and and when DeMarcus is not playing usually that's the kind of lineup they go to and DeMarcus understands that so Steve Kerr will probably talk to DeMarcus and They'll have to figure it out. But DeMarcus is a guy in the past that we've seen get frustrated over over things like this or just being frustrated in general. Sure. And, and they, Warriors understand what they have there. But he is a, a super talented player. He's, again, looked more agile to me lately, especially on the offensive side. They've been throwing it down to him in the post, and he's looked more comfortable attacking from even further out, and he's getting good post position. They run that cross-screen play for him. He gets down there, and then he's able to score. So that's still another dimension that the Warriors haven't had that has worked well for them, especially on the offensive side. The reason, in my opinion, he doesn't play, for the most part, is on the defensive side. And I don't think DeMarcus is looking around going, wow, I don't understand that. He understands how important defense is to this Warrior team, and, and that's been one of their issues. That's why they haven't won maybe as many games as we're used to seeing a win, and they've lost some unexpected ones. And a lot of times it's because of the issues on the defensive side. So I think DeMarcus, probably Ron Adams and Steve Kerr will maybe talk it out and they'll figure out what to do going forward. Two quick questions here about the fans. So one, were you surprised that Clay Thompson kind of challenged the fans to be more into the game? I know now you played in, in maybe the peak era of, of Warrior fandom uh, being on the We Believe team and, and, and that, that era uh, I mean, nothing really comes close to that from from people you talk to that were uh, around for it. 
But uh, and obviously the first championship year and maybe the first couple of years, the seventy three nine year, there's been a little decline in, in fan fervor on a night in night out basis in Oracle. But do, do you feel the fans have a, an obligation to to get the team into the game, or, or is that always uh, on the players as a as a player? I was a little surprised, if I'm honest, with what Clay said. And then I've I've said this in the past when when we played and back in the day with the Warriors fans, it, it was we believe, and now it's we expect. That that's just how human nature works. The the fans are a little different. Maybe they're not as hungry as they used to be. But when you've had an experience three times already, you're going to have a different level of fervor and enthusiasm and passion than someone that's never been there before and experienced that before. That person that's never been there and experienced that before is going to be way more hungry and more passionate and more enthusiastic, enthusiastic than, than you are. And that's just comparing the, the Warrior fans today to the Warrior fans of 07, we believe. It, it's just a totally different ball game now. They're, they're full. They've, they've eaten and it, it, they're just not as hungry, and that's not a, a knock on Warrior fans. That's just human nature. It's just human nature. It's really tough to be this, just as passionate as as you were when you didn't have anything. So I think Clay Thompson understands that, and and the Warrior fans, Dub Nation has come to expect a level of play from the Warriors. It, it's what comes with success. You win as much as the Warriors have won. They've play a beautiful brand of basketball as much as the Warriors have done in the past, your fans come to expect that from you, especially when you probably got more talented in the offseason this year. They expect you to play at a certain level. When you're not playing at that certain level, they're probably not going to be as enthusiastic. They're probably wondering what, what's going on more than anything, and, it's, and they're probably not as loud. And That's kind of how it goes, and it's funny because the players themselves also have come to expect a level from the fans too. Like you get used to the screaming and, and the positive energy in your direction and the passion that comes with playing at Oracle and that Dub Nation provides. And they've done that so well over the years. The players have kind of come to expect it. And I uh, think that's maybe where Clay was coming from. They're, they're in a game at home. Maybe he was feeling like it was a little quieter than, than normal. And I think maybe that that quietness was kind of awkward confusion for for the Warriors. Sure. Like, why why is Phoenix in the game? Why why are they even close right now? So it's kind of that awkward confusion, silence thing. And Clay's going, well, I, I expect you guys to be Dub Nation. I expect you guys to be Roracle. Like, what what happened? What happened to that? So that's that's kind of where Clay's coming from. So I I just basically see both sides of it. I understand why maybe. <clears throat> Dub Nation and, and Roracle isn't as passionate as it used to be. And I kind of understand where Clay's coming from, too. And I think just both sides have to understand where the other side is coming from. And Clay does. And, and, and that's just the way it is right now. Yeah, well, it's funny because yeah, Clay's almost looking at the fans as if it's like, well, how come you're not more into the game? And the fans are almost looking at it like, how come you're not up 30 right now and we're, ha- exactly. we're having a party? Exactly. <laughs> Basically, yeah. That's exactly what it is. Uh, final question for you. I, I want to ask you about uh, this deal with the, the Jazz. The Jazz banned a fan from their oh, home yeah. arena. All events, not just jazz, jazz games, but all events at the Vivint uh, Arena in Salt Lake City for inappropriate 
uh, comments and inappropriate interaction with Oklahoma City's Russell Westbrook. Now, Russell Westbrook did get fined $25,000 for some of the language uh, he put uh, toward the fan, but it's come out, uh, and, and I know there's teammates of Russell Westbrook, and it's been reported in various uh, sources that that you know there was a racial element to this. I think there was a racial element certainly to what Russell Westbrook spoke to after the ball game uh, when he was asked about it. But uh, I think uh, a hell of a statement by the Jazz and the league in what's become a growing issue of you know this interaction between players and fans and what's permissible, what's not permissible. Uh, give give me your experience with just. You know, you know, maybe some of the the awful things that that you'd hear, and and just kind of drawing a line between what's acceptable. Obviously, I mean, any kind of racial comment or use of the N word or anything like that is completely unacceptable. And it sounds like that's the tone of where this thing went with this gentleman right. and his wife that, that that were banned. Well, first of all, yeah, I got to applaud the Jazz for for taking action and and being firm with their action and banning this fan because they're basically saying, yeah, that anyone that, that spews that kind of hateful racial bile, racist bile, doesn't belong in our arena. And as far as the NBA is concerned, doesn't belong in any arena. And unfortunately, that's that's been something that's somewhat normal in Utah. I, I remember playing yeah. in Utah, and you almost have to just be mentally prepared to hear some of the worst things you could ever hear hear say to a said to a person, and and we would go to Utah and and we'd be playing and people would be yelling all kinds of racist stuff at us and and you can ask anyone from '07 we believe to any of those years around there when I played, there, there was some definitely some racist things a lot of racist things said specifically in Utah. And it was just one of those places where you grow to expect it. Sometimes the players say something back or someone says something back on the bench and and nothing is really done about it. And and that seemed to be the case in this situation. And, and finally something was done about it. So I, I agree with Russell Westbrook. It's kind of been happening for a while and, and it doesn't seem to be something that has been taken action against in the past and there's no protection for the players or anything like that. And you got Raymond Felton and, and other teammates saying the same thing. So I, I applaud the jazz for, for finally doing something about it and, and banning a fan and actually investigating the situation. And obviously the fan tried to put his take on it and lied about it and said, yeah, we were talking about icing or knees or whatever it was and, and heat packs Obviously, Russell Westbrook is not going to react that way to someone trying to talk to him about his sore knees. I, yeah. I don't really think that's that was his reaction, would have been his reaction to that, even on his worst day. So I, I'm glad that they did investigate it and that that fan was banned, and hopefully it, it sends a message to other fans. I, I think it's exactly. I think it's definitely a rare thing, though. I don't think it's <clears throat> most fans that come to games are well-behaved and just want to watch the game. There's just every now and then there's an idiot that decides he wants to, to say something and 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 has different views on on the world and 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 people as a whole and and they want to bring that into the arena and and the Jazz are saying that that's not welcome and and I think the NBA is saying that too so it's nice to see and hopefully if something like that happens again in another arena the the same thing happens and maybe we'll see. 
this less and less happen. Kalina, great stuff, man. As always, I really appreciate you you taking the time for a little bit of an extended conversation. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, brother. No problem, man. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks a lot, Kalina Azubuki, joining me here, Warriors Weekly Podcast for 95.7 The Game. This was a production of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.